This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Echo Blood Red podcast. I am not your veteran um, reporter, Ian Doyle. Uh, I'm Joe Rimmer. I've got slightly more hair, slightly less experience in the job, but hey ho, I'll make make do with that. Um, we do have our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce, alongside me. Hello, James. Hi, Joe. And we do have um, the signing of the season so far, um, Dan Kay, who's been in almost every single podcast for the last two months now. Hello, Dan. Hello, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Nice to have you again. Um, Plenty to talk about. Liverpool take on West Brom tomorrow at the Hawthorns, um, and then it's Roma, the big one, the first leg of the semi-final on Tuesday evening. Um, We'll start with James, because he was today at Jurgen Klopp's press conference. Um, Lots to talk about, but first Klopp's going to, sounds like he's going to play a strong side at at West Brom tomorrow. Yeah, he kind of preempted the question today. He said that, um, you know, I know know what's coming. You know, you're going to you're going to ask me, am I going to hold players back for, for Tuesday night? And he said, absolutely no chance. You know, he, he was very keen um, for the focus to be on that game at the Hawthorns on, on Saturday. Um, and you know, he was asked about Salah and his, his fitness. And you know, you know, is he someone that you need to look after ahead of Tuesday with just the, the sheer magnitude of that game? But um, Klopp said, you know, no chance. He said, you know, we, we were not in a position where we've got a 25-strong Squad where we could play two different teams in two different competitions. Um, with the injury situation as it is, uh, I think he'll he'll gamble on playing a very strong team mm-hmm. against West Brom uh, and get the job done. I think you know, maybe if if Chelsea had slipped up at Burnley, um, you know, top four would have almost have been done and dusted. Um, but you know, there is still a little bit of work to do. I think was it five or six points? I think yeah. Liverpool need to be mathematically sure. Um, and I think you know it's, it's it's just consistent, isn't it, with the way that he's approached things so far? Um, you know, yes, he made a few changes for the Merseyside derby, but you know most of those were enforced just with players carrying knocks. And you know, with the full week they've had to prepare since the win over Bournemouth, um, I fully expect him to, to to kind of deliver on his promise today and and play his strongest lineup against the Baggies. Yeah, Dan, is that a problem for Liverpool that he can't rotate as much at this stage of the season? Some people might look at it that way. I don't personally. I mean, the manager himself has talked about the importance of rhythm mm-hmm. and momentum, um, and I think, I think it, it, where he's helped himself, um, and as opposed to last season when you know everyone saw the legs basically fall off them in the early part of the spring, January, February, March, he's kind of used utilised the squad quite effectively in the first third two thirds yeah. of the season. Now, inevitably. You, people do you get the odd injury here and then people start to creak a little bit but I think in light of and obviously as James pointed out in light of the situation where top four isn't guaranteed as yet and the importance really of having that boxed off as soon as possible I think it makes entire sense to go pretty strong so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if maybe I, I, I absolutely would envisage all three of the front all three of the front players getting some game time whether they'll all start We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see at half 11 tomorrow when he announces the team but I think it's absolutely a game the Reds need to win should win and hopefully will win Yeah. Would you make any tweaks James you've got Joe Gomez back fit again um, would you make any tweaks across the front three um, no probably not I think I think where, where he might change things is defensively I think yeah. you know, Lovren has been back in training this week but 
um, you know, he's got like a, an ongoing issue with his groin that he has to manage. Um, this kind of linked to fatigue, really. Um, so he needed a few days off after limping off against Bournemouth last weekend. Um, so I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't risk him in this game. I think maybe one for Clavan alongside Van Dijk, and you know he's got the option of playing Gomez uh, instead of Trent Alexander yeah. Arnold at right back if needs be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he'll 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 go with his you know, that potent established front three, as Dan said. You know, he, I think. He places a big emphasis on rhythm and and will hopefully look to get the game won and then maybe save a few legs ahead of yeah. Tuesday night. Um, you know, I think one of the issues in terms of the squad in general is is obviously the the, the big drop off in quality. Once mm-hmm. you know, when you when you lose one of those front three, you know, Ings and Solanke, you know, are both you know you know haven't had bad seasons by any stretch of imagination. You know, Danny Ings. Has had to fight his way back from two horrendous injuries, and you know, difficult for him when you're not getting regular action to try and grab your chance when it comes along. Same with Solanke, you know, a young player um, who you know is you know has made big strides forward at Liverpool since joining from Chelsea. But you know, neither of them have got a goal between them for Liverpool this season, which which um, you know that's some golf when you think the other three have got yeah. what is it, 80, 82 it's between them. So yeah, I think, and I think Klopp probably knows that. And I think you know he, I think it's, you know, especially when they've had a full week, and Klopp gave them some time off as well at the start of the week. Um, so you know, it hasn't been a particularly strenuous build up to it. So, so no, I think I think further forward, it will be a case of as you were. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a change or two in the in the back four. Yeah, West Brom have won a couple of games now, and. Um Potential banana skin for Liverpool. Well, tomorrow? particularly because we've played them twice this season and not beaten them yet. Yeah. You know, they drew nil nil in the league at Anfield, and you know, and probably one of the absolute shock results of the season. Yeah. Knocked us out of the FA Cup on our own patch three two at the end of January, which you know, particularly. But I think was that only one of only two games Pardew won in his spell there as manager, I think it was, which yeah, is yeah. It, it is really frustrating when um, you, know, you see how the the FA Cup has kind of opened up in some yeah. ways and. Obviously, we are a long time without a trophy. I mean, I think a lot of Liverpool supporters would have been watching the Baggies game at Old Trafford on Sunday afternoon and took a fair degree of satisfaction in, in seeing them turn and in, in seeing United turned over like that. But there was a little nagging doubt in the back of my mind. I'm sure a lot of people have thought over the course of the week this obviously will give them just this little. I think they're still five or six points short of safety. Yeah. They still very much need snookers. But they do have this kind of glimmer of hope and football being what it is. I mean, I think it was a very similar situation actually to us in January when we beat City and lost the Swansea, who I think were bottom at the time. Yeah, yeah. United last week beat City, champions-elect, yeah. and then lost to yeah. the Baggies. And that is, that's one of the eternal kind of conundrums of football, isn't it? You know, it always has that capacity to... To, to trip you up when you least expect it. So Liverpool, yeah, maybe it's not a bad thing though. That you know that the way that West Brom have had this result, it just hopefully will keep Liverpool honest. Make sure they don't keep the don't get complacent, don't take their half the ball, go there, play their game, get the game won, and then and then and only then can attention turn towards uh, the big one on Tuesday. Okay, then let's move on. Um, some shock news this morning shocked football anyway and I certainly was surprised Arsene Wenger stepping down from Arsenal at the end of the season Jürgen Klopp had some really nice things to say in his press conference this morning James didn't he um, he was quite complimentary of, of Wenger he said he was a role model when he was at Dortmund yeah you know, he talked about the immense contribution he's made to English football and and, and obviously talked about the, the sheer longevity of the man yeah. as well yeah. because um, you know it's, it's amazing to think you know, 22 years in in charge of, of, of such a big club um, 
and yeah I think you know he deserves all the plaudits that have, have come his way Wenger I think you know in the recent years he's taken you know a hell of a lot of stick and, and criticism for you know they haven't been as successful as they were earlier on in his reign um, but you know Wenger put together you know arguably the the best team in the Premier League era I think in terms of just what an absolute delight Arsenal were to watch and um, you know the invincibles and winning the double and you know, everything else he, he did there the, you know, even the FA Cups in recent years which have seven I think he's won yeah, seven FA Cups extraordinary yeah, three, yeah. three, three in the last four or something yeah, yeah. three in the four so um, yeah I think I'm quite quite pleased actually that it's come out yeah. I think now because it's quite nice because it I always like it felt that last summer was the right time for him to go. You know, I mean, you know, perfect time to go on the back of winning the FA Cup because there were so many dissenters there. Um, and then this season has been quite painful at times. Mm. The, yeah. the same old frailties, yeah. and yeah. and obviously, you know, you don't feel too sorry for them. But you've, I feel sorry for him as a man who's contributed so much to that club to see him subjected to some of the abuse he, he's had at Arsenal games. So. I think now it's nice the fact that you know the next few weeks I think it will just lift that off him and you know I think even his biggest critic surely will will now rather than focus on what he hasn't done focus on what he has given to to Arsenal over the last 22 years and you know I I'd, I'd I'd like him hopefully to to go off into the sunset winning the Europa League um you know that would be a a great end to what's been an unbelievable reign and you know I think it, it kind of ties in as well with what Klopp was talking about he, he gave an interview yesterday to Sky Germany talking about how you know he had, he had no intention of still being in management kind of well into his 60s and um, you know he talked about how he'll have a year away from football whenever he does come to leave Liverpool and he, he's always been quite consistent with that you know I think he, he he's not going to be one of those managers who's you know still still in the dugout long after he should have been uh, been taking his pension. Um, you know, he, he spoke today about how much he loves the job and he feels very blessed to be where he is. But he said, you know, I, I, I love football, but I don't need it to be happy. And um, you know, I think that sense of perspective is probably what makes him the man he is. You want them to win the Europa League, yeah? I want Arsenal to win the Europa Do you? League. Yeah. I want them to lose every game from between now and the end of the season. Too young to be I so like Wenger, but. You don't want them in the Champions League no, next I, season, no, do you? Why not? I, I, I've already said that today. I, I think I think a lot of football fans who have enjoyed what Arsene Wenger has brought to English football will want to see him um, get the kind of send off that he deserves. I mean, you, you said before it was a shock. I mean, I suppose yeah, maybe I was gonna, the timing. Pick you up about writing that down on your pad. <laughs> well, the it, timing was a shock. Yeah, maybe the timing. But I, in, in, you know, I think a lot of people felt like James mentioned that he should have gone. Yeah. After the, yeah, because it was a great FA Cup win that last um, that last season against Chelsea. Chelsea's obviously won the title yeah. over the Championship. Really, the the writing has been on the wall, I think, for quite some time for Arsene Wenger. And there is there's a, there's a kind of a bit of an irony in that when he came into English football in October 1996, he did it in some ways kind of kind of revolutionise and, and certainly kind of really kick into place the kind of evolution of the game. As obviously Liverpool follows suit by um, appointing a French manager themselves, barely 18 months later. And the whole kind of different you know, aspect of the game with, with nutrition and stretching and all the kind of more rounded, holistic approach that he seemed to, he seemed to take to things. He kind of kicked off that kind of evolution. But, and the irony is, it, 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 to my mind, as, things have, as the game has maybe changed slightly in this decade and you know, the kind of slightly more pragmatic approach... He's just seemed to be unable to kind of reinvent himself, and it, it has like it, you know I totally agree when James said it, it has been painful to watch at times because you know for, for Liverpool fans of a certain era, 
when he came in in the mid to late 90s, even early 2000s, really, for quite a spell, him and Arsenal were the only kind of our only saviours to stop the evil axis from Old Trafford um, sweeping everything before them. And obviously, you know, two doubles, seven FA Cups. Uh, but, but more than that, I think the football that they played, particularly that, that first team that he built. I mean, and, and this is one of the areas when people have often talked about in recent times, where's the steel, where's the muscle to Arsenal? That, that first midfield that they had of um, Vieira and Petit in the middle, yeah, you know, Parle on the right, Ovemars on the left, they had plenty of skill, but they had a real kind of solidity to them. And, and it, it, it's always surprised me that he's, he's been seemingly unable or unwilling to just compromise his principles to a certain extent to kind of manage that. But um, yeah, I, I certainly personally, I would, um, I, I hope they go all the way in Europe and um, then Arsenal appoints someone not very good and, and they keep treading in Liverpool's dust for quite some time. But he's, he's been a good football man, Wenger, and I think most football lovers will have appreciated what he's, what he's given us over the years. Well, I hope you're both wrong. I hope they lose the next five games. It's a manual. Yeah, it ends in acrimony. But yeah, other than that, um, Liverpool will miss him on the pitch because they've had some good results against Arsenal in recent years. The 4-0 just earlier this season, 4-3 last season at the Emirates, 5-1. You can forget that game under Rodgers. So they've had Arsene Wenger's number, haven't they? In the last sort of five years. Yeah, so. well, Klopp, Klopp never lost to him, did he? No. He five five games. Yeah. He won three and drew drew the other two. And with Dortmund as well, he, he so. had a, he had a, he had a good record against them. In yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you know Liverpool have always you know it's, it it suits Liverpool perfectly, doesn't it? The yeah. fact that Wenger never compromises his principles and yeah. comes out and plays and mm-hmm. and, it, uh, and Liverpool have been able to to pick them off. There's been well, certainly miss. Miss that side of Arsenal. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they'll. Um, I think the next man might uh, might have a slightly different approach. But it'd be interesting to see who gets it. I mean, there's yeah. talk of Brendan Rodgers being a, a candidate for it. And Eddie um, Howe. Eddie yeah. Howe. And you know, do you know? Do they go for you know a big name as such, or a big European name, or do they you know put their faith in someone like that? I mean, I think it'll be a good it'll be a good test for. I think Brendan Rodgers will think that what he's achieved in Scotland should put him in line for a massive job like that but in the back of your mind you always think well how much clout does it carry dominating Scottish football in a relatively weak league and um, you know and I think if Rodgers didn't get that job then that would probably show him that he's going to have to go somewhere else before he gets another shot at a, a top Premier League team because you know with all the will in the world you know Arsenal could be a Champions League club that next season it's still got a hell of a lot of work to do, especially with the draw they got in the semis of the Europa League against Atletico. Um, so, you know, if, yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where, what direction they go in because um, you know, when when a man when, it, when it's been the same man for so so long, mm. it's uh, it's going to be a, a massive change. Would you like to see Rodgers go there? I'd like to see him again in the Premier League. Yeah, I'd like to see what. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see what he can, what he would do. At, you know, competing at that level again. I think because he was so young when he got the Liverpool job. Was he thirty nine or yeah, something? Yeah. When under forty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I think he would admit now with the benefit of hindsight that you know he made mistakes along the way. And, um, but you know, the one thing with Rogers is he, you know, if you speak to any players and they all said, you know, he was a, he was a fantastic coach. Yeah. Probably a better coach than he was a manager in terms of man managing and and all the rest of it. Um, and now you know he's gone away. He's you know, kind of licked his wounds after what happened in his last 18 months at Liverpool been massively massively successful but you know, yeah it would just be interesting because obviously there is just that kind of 
asterisks next to it, isn't it? Those trophies in Scotland because of the lack of competition they face on a, on a weekly basis. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him back back in the Premier League and 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 seeing what he can do. And but yeah, I think if he doesn't get that job, then it it shows him probably that he's going to have to. There'll be another stepping stone before he gets back to where he wants to be. Yeah, you, let's see Rogers. Yeah, certainly. Um... I mean, in terms of what James said just before about kind of Wenger, Wenger being there kind of suiting us for a while, there's a part of me that kind of thinks, well, almost you can look upon Rodgers there in a similar vein. He's got a, you know, a certain approach to the game. You certainly couldn't see him making them really hard and difficult to beat, like, say, maybe someone like Diego Simeone might. Um, you know, it always kind of slightly distresses me a little bit when I hear Liverpool fans castigating Brendan Rodgers and calling him a fraud and this, that and the yeah. other when, all right, it's, you know, it, it did all turn rather sad towards the end but no one can take away anyone who lived through that 2013-14 yeah. season it was a similar kind of roller coaster ride to what we're on now when you, you just kind of felt this, this overwhelming positivity and wave surrounding the club and sweeping everything up along with it and, but for you know, a couple of very, very small bits and well, arguably one slip Mm-hmm. He could have he could have taken us to the holy grail that we've spent nearly three decades chasing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a bit of a Celtic fan, so there's a part of me that would like him to kind of say, stay and carry on what he's what he's been doing at Celtic, and hopefully kind of cement them, and you know, hopefully try and get to do a little bit better in Europe. But yeah. I think it'd be interesting for the league if he if he if he came back. Okay, um, moving on. It's hard not to sort of talk about Roma. In it, when, whenever you're having any conversation about Liverpool at the moment um, I don't want to dwell too much on the Roma game because we'll have another podcast Monday I'm sure to talk all about that but it's there in the back of your mind isn't it um, is that is that in the back of your mind when you approach this, this weekend's game at all or you you sort of have you have you got to just put that out of your mind if you're Liverpool now and, and just concentrate <laughs> on what's to come how difficult no, the players must find that difficult yeah I think it's massively difficult I think they you know Klopp will be desperately trying to drum it into them you know that was his message today. You know, yeah. Don't you know? It's not. We won't start thinking about Roma until until the, the the final whistle's gone at the Hawthorns. But no, it's only human nature. And you know, you speak to the supporters, and it's all anyone's talking about. Yeah. You know, with all the the will in the world. You know, yeah, the Premier League games still matter, but Liverpool are on the brink of securing that top four spot. West Brom, are, they've got a, a tiny glimmer of hope after that win at Old Trafford, but are effectively relegated. You know, it's. What happens on Saturday is not irrelevant, but it's it, it's not anywhere near is it the same mm. category to to what we've got ahead of us on Tuesday, and it's just mouthwatering the fact that it's so so close. I mean, obviously, all this week, you know, people have been booking flights and hotels for Rome for the second leg, and um, obviously that's thrown up various issues, not least the fact that Rome Rome are charging Liverpool fans seventy three pounds. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously Liverpool. Are, uh, intend to make their point to to UEFA on that front because it is that is wrong. You know, it's happening think, a lot now as yeah, well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Especially when you know I, I I I put on Twitter earlier on this week the fact that Chelsea fans were only charged forty four pound mm. in the group stage and people said, oh, but you yeah, but you can't you can't expect to pay the same in the semi finals. Well, you know they have, why not? You know there has to be some consistency. You know, hey, Roma fans coming to Anfield are paying forty eight pound. Yeah. So I, I just don't understand why there isn't some. You know there should be some reciprocal yeah. a- agreement, mm. and and UEFA should make it set in stone because it, it the problem is there are rules, but they seem to be so vague that you know there seems to be the same issue Liverpool had with Porto, where yeah. um, you know yeah you can't the rules are you can't charge away fans more than home fans, 
but of course you know if you've got a category of home tickets for a general admission that are ridiculously high which yeah. Roma have for the best um, bit of the ground you yeah for the best yeah. bit of the ground then you can get away with charging away fans you know much inferior seats but charging them mm. um, inflated prices as well and you know, it's, it's just wrong and you know, it's, it's something that UEFA have got to look to address but they, sadly they seem to be more interested in charging clubs for for standing in stairways and, yeah. and and flares and that kind of thing. It would essentially then have to be a, a sort of gentleman's agreement between the two clubs to agree on the well, same price for ticket. I think it needs to be bigger than that. I mean, yeah. what, we're really just over two years past uh, February 2016 when uh, Liverpool fans had the walkout against yeah, Sunderland. Yeah. And obviously that actually had t- a tangible effect. You know, within days, Liverpool backtracked on the, the steep ticket prices they were proposing for the following season in Anfield. And literally within two or three weeks, it was announced across the board there would be a £30 cap on away tickets, and that, which, which still stands. Now, it, it, it's encouraging at least to hear that Liverpool said that they are going to go to UEFA with this, but I think what it needs is for all the clubs to go to UEFA with this. I mean, it's come out in the last 24 hours, Arsenal have said that they're going to subsidise their supporters going to Atletico Madrid, who are being, you know, again, charged eye-watering yeah. sums. I think, I'm sure that happened, it might have been, I think it might have been Man United at Sevilla in the early stages. Which it's a good gesture, you know, and I don't think anyone would complain if Liverpool did. That's certainly not me, having just managed to get myself a ticket this afternoon for the away leg. But I don't think that's a sustainable long-term practice, really. Um, you know, the, the the reality is the clubs now, the vast majority of the clubs' income are coming through TV rights and TV revenue. But the the, the sake of knocking a few, a few you know, charging realistic prices, it's not going to make any real difference to their overall income. But the overall kind of feel good factor and benefits that supporters will receive will will be untold. So, you know, if they could just dial down their greed just a touch, and re- you know, it, a lot of them make great play about saying, "Well, the supporters of the twelfth man, and they're the wind beneath our wings," and words to that effect. Well, actions speak louder than words, and you know, they really do need to stop fleecing people who are the lifeblood of the game because yeah. yeah, I, I had a message from one guy this week actually you were saying that obviously, I hadn't appreciated at the time there's no concessions at all is there for the Roman away no. game no. so it's £73 for kids and he, he's, he's OAP is 10 year old 10 year old son and he said when at the Etihad for the second leg under City's pricing scheme it was actually £12.50 for his 10 yeah, year old yeah. lad there and it's now £73 to, take, to go to the second leg of the, the semi and I don't know how can that it's be right in the same, in the same yeah. competition it's um, you know we talk about how ridiculously expensive English football is. Well, you know, the, for a te- to, to pay that much for a ten-year-old kid is just is crazy. I mean, part of the problem as well is they know that English clubs, in, and especially Liverpool more than any club, travel in such massive numbers yeah. that they just think, you know, forget it, they'll pay it. Yeah, and, and for a game of this magnitude, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, you know, plenty of people will grit their teeth and, and go ahead and, play, and and go ahead and pay it. But it, it's. It just feels a little bit immoral, and and, and 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 more than anything else, like I've said, unnecessary because the clubs are already making huge profits, and and you know I'm I'm not a businessman, obviously, but you kind of think, looking at it from a long term bigger picture, if you've got more people getting stung so badly for their admittance to the ground, they're more likely to buy other things, food, drink, programs, souvenirs, and you know, it, so you might actually make more money in the long term, but there there seems to be such short termism. Yeah. Um, from the people that run the game and when they're, when they're looking at the finances and you know I think all supporters and supporters groups can do is to keep challenging it keep arguing about it keep make, trying to make the clubs realise that you know there's no way these TV companies will be paying billions and billions and billions of pounds every time 
if, if for every time contracts are up for renegotiation, if it wasn't for the spectacle, the colour, the atmosphere that we all create. Mm. So they just need to respect that a bit more, really. We'll segue into a safe standing now, Dan, because I know there was something you, you wanted to speak about it, especially uh, the Premier League announced this week they're doing a bit more research on it. They turned down West Brom's applications. Yeah, well, right? it, the, the, it was the government, the sports minister, Tracy Crouch, turned down an application from West Bromwich Albion earlier yeah. this week who were proposing to have you know, a small rail-seated rail section built into the Hawthorns. <clears throat> now, I, I, was, I went up with the Spirit of Shankly to Celtic a couple of weeks ago to take a look at um, Celtic's... Uh, set up there which has been working very well for a couple of seasons now um, and is proving not just popular with supporters but is being very well regarded yeah. by the police, the clubs, the authorities, yeah. the, you know, people actually say it's not just safe, it's safer because the, the, the reality is hundreds, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of football fans are standing at football every single week. Yeah. Um, now obviously it's, a, it's an enormously sensitive and delicate issue in, in light of the fact of why all seats of stadiums were brought in in 1989 after the, the, the Hillsborough disaster. Um, the point is, it, a debate is necessary, a proper debate is necessary. Now, now what, what the Premier League have said is that um, we back the government's position. I think they've produced some stats of their own that says that only, according to their numbers, only 5% of supporters polled want to stand. But it does, the, the figures do seem rather arbitrary. Because I certainly haven't filled out a poll, and, and, and a lot of people, you know, I'm sure a lot yeah. of people have. There's no real either. details, was on the no. extent of the research and how many people they've spoken to, or anything like that. I mean, there's, there's been a petition that, that was launched earlier this week to kind of at least try and get it debated in Parliament. Um, I think it's already knocking on about 60,000, 70,000. I think it needs to reach 100,000 for it to be considered for a debate. Now, it's, you know, part of the Spirit of Shanty delegation that went up there was basically to try and obviously find out more information, inform ourselves better, and, and take. A position on it, which I don't think has actually formally been put into place yet, but it, it does seem like like some of the authorities and, and some involved are almost trying to kind of like stop the debate from happening. And and I think people have the right people have the right to debate these issues. There are Hillsborough families and survivors that went on this trip that feel very strongly that it should be brought into place. Equally, there are families and survivors that feel very strongly it shouldn't. Everybody has the right to have a say. So. It'll be interesting to see how, how things develop. I suppose at least the Premier League have said that they will kind of enable the debate. Um, but I think it needs to be kind of like a level playing field and, and whatever figures are put out there need to be kind of independently corroborated. Whether that's through clubs sending out um, surveys to season ticket holders and members, um, I'm not sure. But it, 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 this is an issue that many people clearly feel very strongly about and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Okay then, we'll, uh, we'll finish off this podcast with a little look towards the PFA Player Awards which come up, coming up this Sunday night. Um, of course, Mohamed Salah in the run-in for the, um, the big prize, Player of the Year. And we had their Team of the Year earlier this week and you two lads were almost at each other's throats <coughs> just before this podcast we're began about... Um, about yeah, <laughs> a bit about the, the Team of the Year. Dan, you think Mohammed, uh, sorry, Roberto Firmino should be in there. James, you're, um, you think that it's hard to get him in there? I think he, he, he's unlucky not to be in there, but I, would, I wouldn't say it's a, a massive oversight. I think Klopp was actually asked about it at Melwood today, yeah. and I don't think he could be less interested in who was in the <laughs> yeah, PFA team of the year, to be honest. He, he actually didn't even know. Yeah. He was like, tell me what the front line is. Well, then he said, well, obviously it's Salah, it's Harry Kane and Aguero. Yeah. And he kind of said, well, that's not bad, is it? <laughs> um, and I'm kind of with him on it in terms of 
you know, Firmino's had an unbelievable season, and it kind of fits. The fact that he didn't get picked kind of fits as well with the narrative that he is undervalued and underappreciated. And I like that. Yeah, kind yeah. of, kind of like, be the best kept secret. Yeah, I mean, always. Well, I mean, bizarrely, you know, every player seems to have be linked with every single club or whatever. You know, big, you know, big European clubs, and Firmino, for whatever reason it is, never seems to feature in those rumor mills very often. Um, I mean, he's had a fantastic season. What has he got? Has he got twenty five. 25 goals no. and but no I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't view it as like a massive slight on him or anything like that I think I think I'm sure I don't know what the exact numbers were but I imagine he was very very close to getting in there I mean Aguero scored 30 goals for the league champions yeah. so I don't yeah of course you know, yeah. Kane as well you know what you know, 30 odd plus or whatever for for Spurs so he's he's unlucky not to be in there. I mean I, I sort of, a few people as well were saying to me it was a disgrace that Andy Robertson wasn't in there um, but he didn't get in the team till December. Half time, season did he? I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he probably has been the best left back in the he, Premier League. He was since the left back then. Alonso. Alonso, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, had a, he's had a really good season. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think um, yeah, it was Firmino can count himself unlucky, but do you know what? I, I don't think he'll be that bothered no, either. No. To be honest, do you think he's the sort of player that you almost have to watch every week to have a full appreciation of what he brings Definitely. to the side? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think, yeah, there won't be Chelsea or Arsenal fans thinking no, he's brilliant. No, you, no, you wouldn't get. I don't think you get many fans of other clubs who only watch Liverpool occasionally. You would go, oh, I'd love to have Firmino in the yeah. team because I think, I think a lot of his best work goes kind of un- under the radar and yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, as we said, I think that probably suits Liverpool down to the ground. The fact that yeah. um, that he's not you know, touted all the time as mm. you know. How, you know the next best thing for Barcelona or for Real Madrid or whatever like Salah will be also so, yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. he's you know, he's you know, Klopp described him didn't he as early on the season as the engine of the team and yeah. he, he really is with everything he does off the ball as, as well as on it I mean in terms of the actual ceremony on Sunday evening I think it is um, be absolutely amazed if Salah doesn't win it I mm. think um, you know, I think I think there's been a shift in the odds the last few days. You know, I think you, you struggle to get a decent price now on uh, on, on Salah to win it, um, and rightly so because I think you know, I did an interview with Jamie Carragher last week, and he was saying that I think probably the month before he was talking then about how Salah was getting close to De Bruyne, but De Bruyne had the edge. But then you you look at what he's done in in over the last couple of months compared to De Bruyne. And you know, I think he's, he, he, I don't even think it should be a, a debate. I think you know, it's unbelievable to score forty goals. I mean, the third Liverpool player ever. You know, he's he'll be desperate to play at West Brom on Saturday if he scores. He'll equal the record for most goals in a thirty-eight game Premier League season. You know, he's even shattering Ian Rush's record of forty-seven in a season. It isn't beyond him when you think no, four sorry, Premier likely. League games. Yeah. Four Premier League games left. We hope Touchwood at three least. in the Champions League. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, the form he's in at the moment. The goal a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> basically and, what he's got at. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and with the fixtures as well, you know, there's no reason why you know West Brom and was it Stoke, Stoke and Brighton on the Brighton, last yeah. on the last day. I mean, it was. You know, he'll, he'll never have a better chance to to break a record. That I think I remember when we were sat here doing one probably in November December time. We were talking about the records he could break, and it was like, well, the, Suarez got 33 in a season or whatever, yeah. and we were going through it. And then you think, well, obviously there's one that you'll never get anywhere near, and that's Rush 47, because no one's ever going to get that. And and suddenly now, you know, it, it is actually a genuine possibility. Yeah. 
Firmino team of the year, Dan? Is James talking nonsense? Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I am an absolute self-admitted massive Bobby Firmino fan. You know, Roberto, the... I can't stand Bob. <laughs> Roberto, call, let's call him Roberto. <laughs> Sorry, Joseph. Um, <laughs> you, you know, James mentioned before, Klopp refers to him as the brains of the team. I think, you know, he's the heartbeat of the team. As He's the heart... He, he, in many ways, he is kind of like the fulcrum which everyone, everything... You know, he's he's the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> I like it. Did you just make that one up? I heard it in a film, so I can't remember where it was. But straw. I, I, I'm a huge fan of this. Now, I, there is a part of me that kind of quite likes the fact that I think a lot of people don't really appreciate. Yeah. Um, the full value of, of what he does and what he provides to the team. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big Aguero fan. I think, I think he's been a fantastic. I've enjoyed watching his the, the way he plays and way he goes about his business. And he scored 30 goals for the Champions, like James said. Um, maybe part of it was kind of a slight, yeah. we've had a great season, why have we only got one out of the 11 there? How are you getting them in? Are you going to push Carrie Kane out wide? I mean, if, you know, Kane and, Sal- Kane yeah. and Salah are no-brainers. Yeah. If I'd put him in, it would have been it would have been ahead of um, it would have been ahead of Aguero. But, but like James said, at the end of the day, there's only one award that uh, Senor Firmino will be caring about at the end of this season, and that will be a team award, hopefully, mm-hmm. and a, that kind of medal that he gets... Fingers crossed, his name on. In terms of uh, Mo Salah's chance of winning the main award, I mean, I, you know, I'd, I'd agree in general, James, that it shouldn't really be much of a debate because fantastic player and fantastic season that Kevin De Bruyne has had, he hasn't in the last couple of months hasn't kind of quite kept it, kept himself at the same level as what as what Mo has. The only thing is that the, the PF, I'm sure on one of the Sky Debates programs I mentioned last week or the week before. The PFA voting, you always know, seriously, was in dead early, wasn't it? Yeah. It's a bit later now, but I think it was still like late March, or early to mid March. So certainly before the Champions League ties between Liverpool and City. So the part of me that kind of thinks that De Bruyne might just edge it on that basis. However, the Football Writers Award, which is normally I think award uh, given just for the FA Cup final, yeah, yeah, particularly if he doesn't get the PFA, surely Mo's got to be absolutely nailed on for that one. Yeah. But again, and I think he said so much. In interviews, certainly in the last week or so, he'd give them all up in a heartbeat if it means bringing the cup with big ears back to Anfield at the end of the month. Um, do you think something I don't think many people have touched upon? Trent could be disappointed to miss out on being up for the PFA Young Player. Yeah, should be nominated. Yeah, yeah, should be nominated. Yeah, yeah. I think probably again probably comes down to a lack of of games. I think I don't know how many have probably been involved in maybe sixteen, seventeen yeah. league games. So. Not quite. I suppose, but Joe Gomez is another young player, isn't yeah. he? And it was, it's either, it was, either you know, or. He alternated between the two of them for mm. a long time until Gomez got injured. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was because Harry Kane's isn't Harry Kane down on the young player as yeah, well? It goes yeah. up to about twenty-three, doesn't it? It's a bit, seems, it's a bit weird. Yeah, it seems yeah. a bit bizarre. Yeah. That. I think you think how long Harry Kane's been around. It seems strange that he's still considered yeah. a young player. But um, yeah, simply you know, Trent has had a, a, a fantastic season. Probably, yeah, probably hasn't. Quite played enough to to be in the reckoning for that, but um, yeah, I think him being on the shortlist this time next year is uh, pretty much a shoe in. Yeah, he'll, he'll pick up the Andy Kelly Young Player of the Year, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the year named after him. at a private awards event in Andy's house. <laughs> the thing, in, thing, in Crosby. <laughs> thing with Trent as well, right? He might not have been nominated for this, but there's been quite a bit of talk in the last couple of weeks. He might be coming up on the blind side for replacing England's World yeah. Cup squad, mm-hmm. and I'm sure for the lad himself, that would feel, that would be worth far more 
to him and probably in terms of Liverpool I'm not a massive England fan like a lot of Liverpool fans but in terms of his development as a footballer for us even if he just goes as part of the squad and gets you know I mean he's not it's not like a 3 0 Walcott 16 year old type yeah. situation with Sven Eriksson in 2006 is it I, you know I think Liverpool as a club and Trent would, would potentially benefit immeasurably from that so that's another little incentive for him in the last kind of month of the season to kind of really keep his foot on the throttle and, and see how far he can push himself forward OK we'll finish off with some predictions then tomorrow James are you confident? Yeah, yeah Liverpool will win I think because I think Klopp will, will make sure that the minds are on the, the job in hand um, you know he did a fantastic job of, of doing that for the Bournemouth game bringing people back down to earth after the win against City, um, I think West Brom will put up a bit of a decent fight. I think mm. you know all, all of that pressure that they've been under for months and months is gone now, isn't it? You know, with Pardew going, um, you know they've had a couple of decent decent results since. You know they're, they're not mathematically down, but you know no one expects them to stay up. So um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool have to fight pretty hard for it. But yeah, I think probably Liverpool three one. Three one, Dan. I was going to go for four one. Four one. Yeah, it's, I, I think I think we'll I think we'll start strong, and you know I, I would imagine imagine us getting in front, staying in front, and then potentially as he starts to make his changes and heads start to turn towards Tuesday night, maybe the the, the foot will come slightly off the throttle mm. slightly, and you know I certainly wouldn't begrudge the baggies a goal. But, you know I, 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 I'm genuinely gutted I can't go somewhere. I've, I've, I'm, I'll be in work, but it's it's always one of the best ways of the season. West Bromley, good club, good atmosphere. Really nice setup around the place, and um, I, you know, I, I hope as seems inevitable, they will go down. I hope they bounce straight back up because I always enjoy going to the Hawthorns. Yeah, if I really want to get in the Ian Doyle role, I should say they'll lose tomorrow, shouldn't I? But <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I think Liverpool. I'm going to go for two one though, so I think it will be a little bit, little bit more of a tough fight. But I, I do think that momentum will see them through. All right, thanks very much. Um, join us again Monday when we can talk about hopefully a win at the Hawthorns and then we can finally get into it with Roma and um, maybe even Ian Doyle will be back cheers goodbye you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo